Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come like a wildfire. Burn up our idols. Amen. Is that your heart cry this morning? Many times the idols are in our thinking. You realize that? In the way we think. And so, God, we just ask that you would purify our minds and our thinking. Lord, change the way we believe. God, we just thank you, God, for your presence here today. Father, I pray that you would just begin to do a work in our hearts here in the sanctuary, God, online, God, as people watch. Father, we just bless your name and we thank you, God, that we are a people who have made a choice to submit ourselves to you and your kingdom in your king's domain, the way you think, the way you do things. And so, Father, as you confront our thinking, as you confront our idols, as you, God, really expose the things that you're wanting to change in us, Father, I thank you that you do it because of love. And so, God, I thank you for purifying us today. I thank you, God, for taking us up higher with you as we yield our lives, God, to you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords, and it is an honor to serve you. It is an honor to worship you in this house. It is an honor to come to the house of the Lord and to worship you. It is an honor to talk about your word and how you see things. And then as we see how you see things, then God, we are changed by what we behold in you. And so God, we, we do, we sanctify our thinking today. We surrender our thoughts and our ways to you, King of glory, because you are, you are Lord yeah. Almighty. You are the great I am. You are. You are holy. You are Lord and God. We want to continue to surrender every part of us to you. So yes, pour it out. Make us a vessel. Wash over us. Purify us in this hour, God, that the church might become the true radiant glory in the earth. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, for who you are in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're in agreement with me, would you please say amen? amen. <laughs> it is an honor to preach God's word. It's an honor to come in this house, isn't it? It's good to see all of you this morning. Even though it's the last day of spring break and some of you are grieving. <laughs> Grieving that you got to go back to school and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we are still privileged to be in America where we can worship the King of Glory and, uh, and do that, what we're doing today. Can I have an amen on that? Well, I want to kind of continue as we are going through the Word together out of Romans. It's been a delight to get into the Word. And uh, today I'm kind of going to kind of keep with the theme that I had last week about more transformation. You guys remember last week's word about more transformation? Do you remember what M-O-R stood for? M was for what? 
mercy, that we got to keep mercy at the forefront of our thinking. So how'd you do this week with keeping mercy? We, we, did, a, we did a negativity fast last week where we were, we were fasting our negative thoughts about ourselves and others, and we were keeping in the forefront of our thinking the mercy of our God and his love and compassion and forgiveness towards us. Amen. What was the O for? O? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. How many offered your body this week to the Lord and reached out to somebody? God used your mouth. God used your hands. God used your feet to help somebody this week. Did you work on that? All right. And what was the R? Renewing your mind. Did you find any places in your thinking that don't line up with the Word of God? I did. I found some places where my stinking thinking got in the way. And so I had to renew my mind uh, this week in some areas. And so today we're going to kind of stay in that theme of God renewing our minds because we want more transformation in our life. We want more transformation in our city, in our region, our state, our nation, the nations of the earth, right? Are you guys on board with me? Yeah. And so Paul continues his theme. We're going to get into Romans 13 today. And Paul continues this theme of transforming our minds by sharing with us how Christians should believe and think about those in government. He talks about authority. And so uh, do you ever get angry with uh, the where our government takes us in this nation? Do you ever get a little uh, sideways when uh, we legislate things that are totally contrary to the word of God? Does anybody got to ever get a burr in their saddle? I've never seen anything on Facebook like that, have you, where people get sideways? Well, Facebook can be divisive, and really over the last two years it has been very divisive when, it looks, when we look at uh, what our nations went through over the last couple years when it comes to our government. But it's really interesting that uh, Paul is taking us right into chapter 13 of Romans, and he's saying, I want you to transform your thinking on how you think of government. And we've just come out of chapter 12 about renewing our minds, and if you remember last week at the very tail end of my message, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but Paul gave us about 25 short commands about what love and action looks like. And he, so he ends chapter 12 where, you know, again, there weren't chapters when he wrote this. This was a full letter. So it's not like it's separated. And so he leaves his, 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 um, his theme on renewing the mind and how we do that and the, the commands of loving and action. And we went through all those loving things at the end of my message last night or last week, and then boom, he hits us in the top of chapter 13. And in 13, he goes, hey, I want you, here's what I, here's what I, I want to say to you about the authority and the government, civil government, and how you as a Christian, how you Roman Christians are to carry your heart when it comes to your government. So I'm going to step on some sacred cows today. Just some mornings out there. Your mind's not going to want to go where I'm going today because mine even struggled as I went into this scripture. So I'm just warning you. I'm probably going to step on your toes, my toes, and we're probably going to go, that's what God's wanting me to renew my mind with? Because there's some things we think about government, and there's some things about how we operate as Christians 
that Paul slaps right in our face, right in chapter 13. And so that's where I'm going to go. My title of my message would be, uh, uh, I love my government. (laughs) Everybody go ahead and say that with me. I love my government. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, we're trying. But remember, we are renewing our minds with the washing of God's word today. We are finding areas where our thinking does not line up with the word of God. And your thinking must be renewed. And my thinking must be renewed through the word of God. And that's what we're doing when we go through this. We are renewing our minds so that we become transformed people of God. So are you willing today to think a little bit different? So let's begin our study today out of Romans 13. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 13. We're going to begin to look at what love in action looks like when it comes to our government. And so if you have your digital stuff, if not, you can read it on the wall today or the screen. We're going to read this, and then I'm going to do quite a bit of explaining today as we go through this because there's a lot here. Are you guys excited about it? You ready for your mind to be renewed? All right, Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the evildoer. Therefore, another therefore out of Romans, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Six, keep going. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor just happens to fall with April 15th right around the corner when we get to pay taxes. Aren't you glad for that? So, a lot was said there, but what I want to do, so one of the things, and we're going to leave that up there, but bear with me for a second. As we teach with the Here Journal, whether you do a Here Journal, Soap Journal, however you're doing it with your family and however you're doing it in your discipleship groups, we're on a plan with the Here Journal. Well, what the Here Journal means, it stands for H. H is highlight whatever the scripture that God highlights to you. E is explain. A is application. R is how are you going to respond. And where I want to go here is the E is one of the most important parts of your study of the word. Before I begin to explain the passage that we just read, it really is important to, e, to, to, to take this E 
and look at what was going on and who is the author speaking to, what are the authorities that he's talking about here. You have to, with, with the studying of the word, you have to spend some time explaining some things to bring context to what Paul is trying to say here. So this will help us renew our minds today to the truth that Paul is trying to bring us. So I want to spend a little time explaining about the, who Paul was talking to, who are these government authorities, and, and what was Paul trying to say to the people at the time. Because we realize Paul is talking to Roman Christians. He's sending this letter off before he goes there. So these are Christians. Most of them are Gentiles, but a lot of them are Jews who have come to know Christ. And he's sending this letter to them. But it's very important for us to stand, understand, and I just realized that I forgot to put a slide on here. Doggone it. We have to understand what was the current government of God and what was the current government of the world. And we're, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through a little history. Don't, don't, don't let me lose you. But I want to explain what the government was like in that day so that you get a handle on what Paul is actually saying to us. Does that make sense? So you're going to get a little history here. And uh, man, if you guys in the sound booth, if there is any possible way you guys could pull up from Google the Roman Empire during the time of Jesus, that would really help me because I forgot to put that slide in there. If you can't do it, great, but I, I would love to get to that if we can because it'll help me. can't believe I forgot that. So who were the government authorities in this passage and what was the government structure when Paul wrote this? The authorities in that term is civil government, and the government of the day was the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire was not a democracy like the United States. A democracy is a form of government where the people elect representatives, and those representatives which we have the House of Representatives, and we have what the Senate, and we have the President who is over our nation. But what it does is it decentralizes leadership to where one man is not in total rule, right? It's, and it's, it's by the people, for the people, and the people elect their officials, and it is, it is not a, it is a democracy, but Roman Empire was an autocracy. It was one-man rule, one-man Caesar was the ruler of all of the Roman Empire. It was not a democracy. And so if you look here on this whole slide, thank you guys, you're awesome. This whole region is what is the whole Roman Empire at the time was all the way around the Mediterranean Sea. All this area was completely Roman Empire, and Israel was part of that. Israel and Judea and all this area had been occupied by Rome. They had been, they had been conquered by Rome. So this is the entire Roman Empire. And what their government looked like is the government would then put governors in charge of this area, a governor 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 in charge of this area. Of this area. The governor at that time that was over the region of Israel was Pontius Pilate, okay? You guys remember that word? And so he was the governor under the emperor Ero, or Caesar Ero, Ero, not Caesar Augustus or Julius Caesar, no, Caesar Ero, okay? And he was in charge of the whole empire, 
and, Jul- and, and um, Pontius Pilate was the governor of the area on this right side of the Mediterranean Sea. Are you guys with me? Now, Caesar Nero, the big dog, everybody say big dog. He was ruthless. You got to understand this. He was not a godly man. He literally would put tar on Christians, set them ablaze, and put them on the city streets for light at night. He was a big guy who loved to run his chariots, and he had a track, and he would put Christians in flames at night so he could ride his chariot. He was egotistical. He was arrogant. You think Donald Trump was arrogant? This guy was on steroids. And I want you to understand, he was the governmental authority in play here. He would also behead Paul four years later. So I want you to understand Nero, who he was. One man rule, in charge, black and white, do as I say, bow down, call me Lord. That's what we have as a government. Are you with me? It's important. Pontius Pilate was much the same way as governor. He was the one-man rule over the region. And then under him was Herod, King Herod. Okay? And King Herod was the king of the Jews. He was king over Judea, and he was in authority, and he was a puppet for Rome. Okay? Are you guys with me? Herod was ruthless as well. What did Herod do whenever it was proclaimed by the Magi that the king of the Jews was born in Bethlehem this night? What did King Herod do? He had all the children two years of age slaughtered in the Bethlehem region. Are you glad you don't have that kind of government? I love my government. Say with me, I love my government. So I want you to understand this is the government that is surrounding this area. And when Paul is talking about this scripture, you've got to understand the context for us to understand what he's saying to the Roman Christians and what he's saying to us today. Do you guys got that with me? Are you with me on that? So that's the basis of where we're at. You think your taxes are bad? The Roman Empire tax, let me share with you the taxes that the Christians had to pay. You ready for this? There was the poll tax, the income tax, the land tax, the slave tax, tax for roads and harbors, import tax, ground tax, fish tax, cart tax, grain tax, wine tax. The taxes that they had to pay were exorbitant. And here's how the tax man happened. It wasn't the IRS in our nation. Here's what the tax man did. You made a bid as a tax man. You made a bid for a certain area. And if that area had a lot of people in it, you bid so much for that job, and then you got your money by when you pulled in the taxes. And so if I, paid, if I made Shelly pay a little extra on her tax in order to make more money, because I thought she had more, there was corruption within the tax system on top of the exorbitant tax. And that's why the Christians in Jerusalem, they were, they were struggling being able to pay all the taxes. 
Are you getting a little picture of what it looked like in Paul's day? Very important, okay? Because in light of this, now let's look at Romans chapter 13 again. And see what Paul says on how Christians operate under this kind of a governmental authority. Dang. Ouch. Verse 1, again, says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Renew your mind on that. The King James Version says everyone must submit to the governing authority. That Greek word there, subject, is hippotasso. The word hippo, the first part of the word, means being under, and the tasso means being, meaning lining up. So we are to line up under leadership. It is a voluntary attitude of cooperation to support the burden of government. Anybody want to say ouch? What does Paul mean? I mean, our culture has been raised to question authority, to not submit to a government, to not to spit to anybody, to be subject to anyone. No one wants anybody above them. No one wants any accountability in our culture. What about your own thinking? I mean, when you think that God may want you to submit and to be subject to civil authority, does anybody struggle with that besides me? Why is Paul saying this? Paul, the word of the living God is saying this. When Paul says to be subject to authority, he's talking about guys like Herod and Caesar Euro who were ruthless. How can we support that? How can we come up under that? So what is our responsibility? What is it that Paul's trying to get at in this passage? What is he saying? What is our responsibility as Christians when it comes to our government? How are we to carry our hearts? Under bad authority. Quiet as a church mouse. I don't know. Eric, tell us. And all I can say is, oh God, help us to have our minds renewed today. I don't want to teach anything out of context. I just, Lord, ask that you do a work in our hearts. Because this is tough stuff. So, before I say, well, let me say this. Here's how we're not supposed to carry our heart first. Can I do that first? Here's how we're not to carry our hearts. We are not to be resentful. We're not to be hateful. We're not to be angered. We're not to be troublemakers. We're not to be rebellious. We're not to be naysayers or complainers. But we're to love and support our leaders. I am to actually love my government. What? <laughs> Paul wants the Roman Christians to be model citizens who come up under their leadership to support them. 
The word there is support. If you're taking notes, my responsibility as a Christian is I am to support leadership. I'm to come up under them and support them. Isn't that what you're supposed to even do here at church? You're to come up under the leadership of this house and support them, not complain about them, not bicker about them, not gossip about them, not, not do negative things. But even though you don't understand everything, it's, there's this thing of where you, you're supporting them. And we're going to get into later in this message, what are the four things you can do to support your government? But I want, to, I, want to, I want to break this down a little more to help us, if you don't mind. So S, if you're writing down your notes, S is support. Our responsibility to support government, to submit or come under their authority. And we're going to get into more of this here in a moment. So first, I want to, I, I want to go before we get into our heart standard and where our heart needs to be. I kind of want to go into why, asking the question of why does God, um, why, does, why is Paul wanting us to come under authority? But I, I want to I go into the scripture in Romans 13, because I think Paul does a great job of answering the question of why. <coughs> Excuse me. And so if you look at Romans 13, 1b through 2, Paul begins to tell you the reason why that we are to submit to authority. And he talks about here, and I'll just read it, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Put that in your mind pipe and smoke it. <laughs> the authorities that exist have been established by God. Put that in your pipe of your mind and... Think about that. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Hmm. The why. The why is because God is God. And God has established all authority. And now we're tapping into a spiritual truth about God's sovereignty. He is God and you are not. Okay? Because the word sovereignty, and we're going to even read a scripture on this here in a moment. And a lot of people struggle with sovereignty. And I understand that because there's a level of authority that God has placed in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. And so there is a responsibility that we have and a delegated authority that's been given to us. But there is something that is much higher than your authority. Even though you've been given authority, you do not have the authority that God has. You will never have the authority that God has because he is the supreme one. He is divine. And so to think that you're going to have his exact authority, you have another came, come, you have, don't understand the sovereignty of the God and his power and his omnipotence and his holiness that you can't even think the, all the things that you should think because you're not him. Right. 
Now, our mind's being renewed and we're becoming more like him, but we are not divine individuals. He is Yahweh. Can I have an amen on that? And sovereignty is that God has this absolute right to do all things according to his own good purpose and his own good pleasure. God has all power to do what he wants, and as he wants, he, he, his ways are always best. Say, God's ways are always best. God has all power to do what he wants, as he wants it. even if you don't understand it. Even if you don't understand it, you have to have this core value of the goodness of God and that he knows what he's doing. So, the scripture says, not Eric, that I'm to renew my mind, what, to the word of God, right? Right? And the word says, there is no authority except that which God has established. Do you believe that? The authorities that exist have been established by God. The Bible says it. Man, that's hard to take in. Do you believe this? Now, are there other biblical texts to support what Paul is saying. Everybody say, yes. Would you like to know something? Good. I do too. Pontius Pilate, who we just talked about. Who was Pontius Pilate? He was the governor. Under who? This lousy Caesar Uro. That we're supposed to love. That we're supposed to honor. So change your words, Eric. See how hard it is? So Pontius Pilate was, uh, Jesus was uh, arrested. Where do you come from? Pilate asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? And look at Jesus' answer. Oh, big boy, you have no power over me. If it were not given to you from where? What's Jesus saying? Oh, Pilate. You have no power. You wouldn't be in power if it wasn't from my God giving you the power to be here. Number one. Let's look at number two. Pharaoh. God's people had been enslaved for 400 years, church. Everybody say 400. Longer than this bad country has been a nation, I might tell you, right? 400 years of slavery, God's raised up Moses to deliver God's people out of slavery. And why were they there in the first place? They were there in the first place because what? They disobeyed God, which we're going to get into a little bit here in a bit. But then Moses, God speaks to Pharaoh, For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the face of the earth, Pharaoh. But I have raised you up, Pharaoh, for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Who raised him up? Who raised him up? I have raised you up for this very purpose. Would you like a third one? Nebuchadnezzar. This was the king of Babylon. And he, again, enslaved God's people. 
And here's what God says to Nebuchadnezzar as they are being forced to bow before him and all kinds of stuff. That the living may know that the Most High is what? Sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And he gives those kingdoms to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you are actually the lowest of people and you don't even know it. God has actually put you in authority and you think you've gotten yourself there yourself. And what would actually happen later in his life as it would be prophesied that he would start eating grass like a cow if he did not acknowledge God? If he would not acknowledge that God had placed him in authority? And what did he do? He ate grass like a cow. Because he would not yield and submit that God of glory had put him in power. God puts all authority in power. Do you believe this? And I could give you more examples, but for the sake of time, I can't. Go ahead and start looking them up. God establishes and bring down, brings, establishes leaders and brings, brings them down. I'll never forget. I love history. And I, there are so many leaders who thought they had it all. And God brought them down. Some of them in little holes in hideouts trying to hide and they get exposed and civil government of other nations come and they bring the evil down. And you may think you can get by with it for a while, but oh God, he is God, he is sovereign and his plans and purposes shall come to pass. Can I have an amen on that? Special note I want to say here though, what Paul is not saying. When Paul is asking us to submit and to support civil government, what Paul is not saying, hear me, Paul is not suggesting that God approves of corrupt government. He is not saying he approves of unjust and corrupt government, bad legislative laws. He is not saying he approves of evil. Are we under that? Understand that. But what happens sometimes, however, is God does punish nations for their sins and for other reasons that we don't know. He allows evil rulers to have authority for a season to establish his greater purposes. Did you hear me? He allows evil for a season to establish his greater purposes. Leaders are actually pawns in the hands of the living God. And there's a chess game going on that's bigger than you. It's bigger than what you see. It's bigger than what we understand. As the war goes on in Russia and Ukraine, there's a bigger picture at hand that you don't know. But God does. And it should give you great peace. It should give you great assurance that Yahweh is for us, that Yahweh is in control. So we're not saying that God approves of bad government. 
He is God. And so God establishes authority. The other thing that Paul is not saying is that, that we cannot disagree with government. There, Paul is not saying we, we cannot be a voice. We have to be a voice in a dark world. Even John the Baptist confronted King Herod. Remember King Herod, who had all the children two years of age killed in the Bethlehem region. John the Baptist, what did he do? He confronted the King Herod. And he said, Herod, you cannot, you, you cannot take your niece as a wife. You, that is an unlawful marriage. You cannot marry her. You cannot commit adultery. John the Baptist, man, stood freight and freight of the king. Can you imagine going to Donald Trump and saying, hey, Donald, you can't have another man as your wife, another woman as your wife, or a man either. either. <laughs> and what happened to John the Baptist as he stood and was a voice of righteousness and a voice of truth that, no, God has a way. There is marriage between one woman, and, and John the Baptist confronted it. He got beheaded. Head on a platter for standing up for truth. So we have to be a voice. So when I'm saying this, don't hear me say you can't be a voice. God still uses us to declare his kingdom. God still uses us to say this is the righteous way. This is God's way. This is what God says. Even if people get ticked off of you, it is what God says, right? So that, that's okay. So don't hear me say we can't be a voice. Are you with me? Good. Now let's look at Romans 13. Again, for the, one, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servant, agents of wrath to bring punishment on evildoers. So, what is the reason why God establishes government in the first place? I want to, I want to just briefly talk about two things, because I'm establishing these foundations so that you understand it, that's going to then empower our hearts in order to renew our minds to walk in the way that God wants us to walk as God's people. Are you with me? So there's two reasons that he points out here, and I believe there's more reasons why God establishes government and why he does it the way he wants to do it. But number one, the role of government, according to this, is a servant for your good. Do you see that? Authority is God's servant for your good. And the second one is they are agents of wrath. They are agents of God's wrath to restrain and punish evil and to protect the people. Government is part of God's plan of holding back man's sinfulness and to keep it in check. So the servant of God, they are there to serve you. The word to serve in that first servant for your good, the word serve is the same word in the Greek that we use for minister. It is the same word that we use for deacon, diakonos. It is an administrator who serves the needs of the people. So they're administering help. Their, the government has been set up for God in order to bring structure, in order to bring help to a nation, to provide a society for help. And number two, it's to restrain evil. Everybody say amen for that. God uses government to execute wrath on those who practice evil in our nation. Government is part of God's plan at holding sinfulness back, restraining it. Aren't you thankful for the police? Don't defund police. 
crazy. I'm so thankful for our police officers. We should be honoring them. We should be thanking God for them. They are agents of God's wrath to punish sinfulness. Thank God for police. I thank God for laws. I thank God for our judicial system. I thank God for our armies. But when a government fails consistently to do the protecting of the people and, and they refuse to punish sin in a country, it opens itself up to God's correction. And I would even say it opens the nation up to God's judgment. When a nation continues to legislate sin, God then makes choices of leaders to put in authority based upon the response of the people and the sin of the people. God has a much bigger plan than we see or know, and God is God and he knows best. And he then begins to put people in charge many times who the people want rather than God, what he desires. There is a passage in the scripture where it talks about how God will give you the desires of your heart and you keep wanting the way you want and you think you want it and he'll give you that and then it repulses you and it becomes like puke in your mouth and you go, oh, I really don't want what I thought I wanted. God, you were actually right. God, you were actually right, and he uses it in order to draw the people back to him because he has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. And sometimes God lets you have what you think you want, and in turn, it is terrible. Have you ever had that happen to you where you think you want this thing and you think it's the will of the Lord and you find out, oh my gosh, I was so deceived? That actually hurt me. I do it. We see it with kids all the time. We give our kids what we think they want in order to make them happy. And what does it do? It actually ruins the children. God doesn't want to ruin his kids. And therefore, he allows consequences come to a nation that actually the consequences is to correct the nation. But again, what should our response be to government again? How should my mind be renewed today? And I want to give you four things today that you can write down. Of what does it look like to support our government when our government is doing crazy things? You guys okay with that? So number one. We've got to love our government. This thing of submitting, this supporting, this S, there is this heart of love for our nation, our leaders. There has got to be something that we begin to renew our mind to see that, no, I've got to love President Biden. I've got to love Camilla. I've got to love my Congress. I've got to love my House of Representatives. Lord God, I want to carry my heart in love. If I don't care for them, I won't pray for them. Pray for them. 
got to care for my government. I've got to love my nation. I'm thankful for what we have in this nation. Yes, it is turning and, and there's some things that are going, but we have the greatest nation in the world. And I love my nation. And my love for my nation must compel me to do something different. And the second thing is it has to compel me to do is my words. I must speak life and not death. There is life and death is in the power of the tongue, and we must be careful what words we speak about our government. We must honor them with our words. They are not perfect individuals. They are fallen. Every, everybody say every. Every, every authority in your life. Every authority in your life is imperfect. God always uses imperfect authority to bring down your pride. He always uses imperfect authority. That's all he uses. The lowly. We just read it. He takes the weak things of this world to confound the wise. When you can submit to imperfect authority and not make it about you and realize that God is in authority and that God will, he will actually move on your leaders. But if you believe he won't move on your leaders, you are self-fulfilling your prophecy. And your words are doing it. Your words are either speaking life over your government or your words are speaking death over your government. And so we have to love our government and we have to speak life over our government and our leaders. Can I have an amen? amen? The next thing that we need to do that was in this past last scripture, I'll just show all four of them to you. That way you can write them down and take a picture. Pay your taxes. <laughs> Support your leadership. Pay your tithe. Support your leadership. Pay your taxes. Don't lie on your taxes. Give your part and be thankful. What did Jesus say? And what did Paul say in this passage that we just read? Give, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God, right? They showed him a coin. He said, whose inscription's on the coin? Caesar. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. There are people in this room and the people in the church, and I have done it. Ouch, I hate to admit it. I have not reported income before because it's a little bit of cash that you did for somebody and you just, ah, no big deal. Don't write it in your taxes and you just do it. Don't lie. You pay your taxes. Honor your government. Are you glad that the police officers are protecting you? I have to pay. <laughs> Went to the tax man and I have to pay $950 before April 15th. Party. And I know a lot of people have to pay a lot more than that. That's just a drop in the bucket. I've paid quarterly, and at the end, you find out you owe more. Woohoo! Well, I was belly aching about it, and God convicted me. He said, Hey, 
that tax pays for your nation. Yep. He said, are you thankful for your roads and bridges? Do you need to know that or do I need to know that? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm thankful for my roads and bridges. I'm really glad that I can get over Blue River to go to Indianapolis. Are you thankful for your police officers who, who provide uh, safety for you? That if you have a problem at your house, they're there within 1.6 minutes? Are you glad for the EMS people when there's an accident and they're there to save lives? I uh, think you want me to answer that, Lord? Y yes. Are you thankful that America is still a safe place in general, except if you go to Chicago? Um, yes. Are you glad you're safe in your home, Tina? How about you, Alex? How about you, Luke? You guys glad you're safe in your home? You glad you're not having to build a bunker today to protect you from another nation? Anybody thankful for their government? Do you love this nation? I love my government, and so I'm going to pay my taxes. It honors God. And that's what Paul was saying. Pay your taxes. The other thing that Paul says is pray for our governmental leaders. We are bound by scripture to respect them and to pray for them. I want to read this powerful, powerful scripture, guys. Because what we're talking, these are four ways you can support your government. There are more ways than this than you can support your government. The ministry that we do and the outreach into this city as we help feed people and we help do things for others, it is helping our government. It's helping this nation to become a better nation. Can I have an Amen. But this issue for prayer, look at this passage, it's powerful. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and what? Thanksgiving. Say that a little louder. Thanksgiving. Be made for who? All people. Now look, for who? Kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We had a family leave this church because when President Biden got elected, we were praying for President Biden on a Wednesday night. They didn't understand the passage out of Romans 13, did they? Christians around the world hated it when Biden got elected president. And there's still a movement to discredit the election. And I understand that. But I don't believe that's supporting our government. I pray for President Biden almost every day. And I've shifted my heart towards him. And I pray for his salvation I pray for his children. I pray for his wife. And I pray that God will radically encounter them. And I thank God for him because he has been established as God's authority, whether I like it or understand it. 
And the same thing was with those who hated Trump. Trump was established by God, whether people liked it or not, or even if you understood it or not. Because there are plans and purposes of God that are bigger than your small thinking. There are plans and purposes of God that are bigger than your small thinking. Because really when it all boils to it, down to it, we filter everything through our desires, our lusts, and what's easy and good for us. God filters it through what is good for him and his kingdom and the display of his glory over the nations, not just Newcastle and not just Indiana. And so we have to carry our hearts in love. We, Paul is bringing this message in, the, in between two bookends. The bookends of love and action. If you look at the end of chapter 12, it's all about love. And you look at the end of 13, it's all about carrying your heart in love. He puts this message about authority right between love. Dang. And he wants to renew your mind today. Because I don't know where you have stinking thinking when it comes to your government. I don't know what you think about Biden and the Democrats and the Republicans. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do know is God wants to renew your mind. And he wants you to love. He wants you to pray. He wants you to speak truth over them. And he wants you to pay your taxes. <laughs> we submit to government. And here's the general rule. Because my, the question that I don't want to leave hanging is, is there ever a time that you don't submit to civil government? And there is a yes to that. And what is the yes? What is the rule for not submitting to civil government, not supporting them, not coming up underneath them? What is the condition? And here is the condition and here is the rule. We submit to the government until submitting to the government means I have to disobey God. I submit to the government until me submitting to the government causes me to disobey God. Now, I'm going to give you some examples from the Bible real quick on that, what I mean by that. The example with Pharaoh, when Pharaoh was being told to release God's people, from Egypt and bondage and he ordered all the midwives to kill all the baby boys who were Hebrew children. And the midwife for Moses, the midwife for Moses at that time says, no, I'm not going to obey Pharaoh. And she hid out Moses with her mother and Miriam and they hid out the boy until he was weaned and they disobeyed government because they would not kill a child. Wouldn't you say that's a good example? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar told the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you must bow down and worship 
the idol. You must worship our God. And what did they do? They said, no, we will not worship you or your God. We will not bow to your idol. But even if God doesn't deliver us from you, we will not bow. And they chose to pray in their windows. They chose to obey God rather than obeying Nebuchadnezzar. And God delivered them out of the fiery furnace. What about Peter and John? Peter and John were preaching the gospel. People were getting saved. And they throw them in jail and they beat them. And they said, you shall not preach in this name. And Peter and John said, is it right that we obey you? Or is it right that we obey God? And when they got out of jail, they went and preached. And guess who they preached? Jesus. And they went and arrested them again and beat them again and said, do not preach in this name. And as soon as they got out, what did they do? They preached in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about that you... I, I may get arrested someday, guys. If they come and make a law and say, hey, Eric, all ministers, you need to marry these two gay guys. I love gay men. I love them. God bless them. I am not against them. But the law of God says that marriage is between one man and one woman. And if you say that it's law that I have to marry that, you're going to see me in jail. Because I will obey the law of the Lord before I obey that. If they come to a gynecologist in our community and they say, You've got to start performing abortions. All abortions are going to be performed by all gynecologists. That gynecologist is going to have to make a choice. Are you going to obey man or are you going to obey God? Are you with me? I will disobey my government anytime that they tell me to do something that makes me disobey God. But dishonoring our government and not supporting it on issues of your preference is not what Paul is talking about. We're not talking about whether you wear a mask or not. We're not talking about whether you take the COVID vaccine or not. We're talking about does what the government is asking you to do, does it cause you to break God's law? It's not based upon your personal preferences and then I have the right to dishonor government because I don't agree with them. Now, I'm not saying that you do the mask and that you do the, the, the vaccine. I'm not telling you that. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that's not a reason to dishonor government is if it doesn't cause you to disobey God. Do you hear me? That's why we struggled in this whole journey of COVID. Leadership in the church was so rough during 2020 because it's like, God, we're wanting to honor authority. We're wanting to do your word. We're wanting to love our government and we're wanting to submit to them and yield to them in this season because we're trying to change the curve of this epidemic. But God, we also want to worship and we want to do what's right before you. And there was this tug of war in leadership within the church of God. What do we do? We made a lot of people mad and we made a lot of people happy. Try navigating those waters. That was tough to navigate. We lost some families over it. And a lot of churches lost a lot of people. But I want us to understand, we submit to God until we, what the government's asking us to do, causes us to disobey God. Does that bear witness with your heart? 
Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of questions. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? Here's what you do. Before you come talk to me and ask me questions, ask yourself, is what the government's wanting to do causing me to disobey God? First. Does that make sense? And if it's not causing you to disobey God, you continue to submit yourself and come under and you support government. Are you with me? Let's pray. I'm not going to go on. Stand up, please. I've got an action plan here in a second, but I want to pray. I don't know about you, but I have sinned in this area of submitting to government and talking bad rather than speaking life. Anybody else? I think everyone in this room could probably ask the Lord to forgive them this morning for that. I think you've probably spoken some words that you need to ask God to forgive you about your government. Paul said, all authority is established by God. Father, we accept that, and we say yes, we trust you, that you're bigger than what we see. Mm. And I would just encourage you right now just to do a little business with the Lord. If he's convicted you of anything that I've said or you're struggling, maybe you're struggling with me and going, oh gosh, I can't, I can't go live with what he's saying. Just say, God, help me to understand and Lord, help me to have my mind renewed with your truth. Because this is what the Bible says. So God, help me to understand. Help me to love even Pastor Eric well right now. <laughs> but is there anything God's wanting to correct in your thinking right now? Would you take it to the Lord? Would you ask him to forgive you right now? Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Give my attitude to you. Forgive me for not supporting my government. Forgive me for not supporting them with my words. Maybe you've been cheating on your taxes and you need to repent. Maybe you need to come clean with the Lord and say, God, I will support my amazing government with my taxes. And I will see it differently. Forgive me for seeing it this way. God, I now see that you want me to support and to bless my country. So maybe he wants to clean up your mess when it comes to your taxes. Maybe you've not been given to God. And when God says give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but you're not even given to God. And, and maybe you've had control of your finances and you've had fear. And maybe God's calling you to obey him in the tithe. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's doing. There's something going on. This is a tough message. Even the prophetic team felt this morning that there was this purification that God's wanting to do in our hearts and in our thinking. And when we're talking about renewing our mind, we're talking about renewing and changing the way we think. And that's called purity. Purifying our thoughts. So, Father, we just surrender to you as a people. God, those who are online, I pray that you would bless them, encourage them to 
to really get serious with you and doing business with you when it comes to how we carry our heart and how we cup under our government, God. So, Lord, I just ask that you would forgive us for where we have been off the mark. And, God, we're coming back to you. We're going to begin to bless this nation, Father. We're going to begin to speak life to this nation. We're going to, God, thank you. We're going to, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, we're going to make these petitions to you, God, for all people, even kings and those in authority, God. We are going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our church leaders. We're going to pray for our administrators in our schools because all those in authority, God, you've placed there for a reason. And God, we submit to your, your plan because you are sovereign and you are Lord. So Father, we surrender our thoughts to you today, God. And we ask that you would renew our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. are you guys with me?